Because, you know, I know uh, people got shit going that, you know, I ain't got going, you know. All right. Oh, yeah. You saw that wave happen? <laughs> That's how you know that shit's going. All right. So, everybody's officially listening now, right now. CIA, FBI, HEB, which we just came from. Getting some, some cerveza. <laughs> you can't even see that. I'm holding it up to the phone like you can. Maybe I, you can hear the condensation drip off the can. I don't know. Anyways, I'm sitting here today with Eddie Vega. What's up? <laughs> Eddie, how how you been, Eddie? How Man, you been, I'm doing man? good. I, I, I don't complain because it doesn't do any good. I mean, if you if you did complain, I say just complain about the right shit, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. There's a lot of there's there's lots of shit to complain about in this world right now. Like Hunter Biden. <laughs> no, <laughs> man, that's that's not that's like so three months ago. Or something. I don't know, right? Uh, you know, you know what I'm complaining about right now. Uh-huh. My biggest issue right now is I did not realize how how biased Fox News was. I thought I guess what? Hey, hey, hey man, hey, hey, man, hey, <laughs> hey. Well, I, when I say that, I mean I've seen the clips and all that kind of stuff. But until recently, I've just started sitting down and like actually giving time mm. to Fox News. Like, yeah. Well, let's see what like I know what Fox and Friends is about, but I'm like, what are they other things are about? And they're all about the same thing. They all got the same talking points. And what what really pissed me off was that fucking fifty days of day forty eight, and Biden still hasn't had a press conference. Like, what's the big fucking deal about oh, yeah. holding a press conference? Like, is it really that serious? I don't know. Well, supposedly, so what I heard uh, on NPR, which is what I listened to, is that uh, his the time between his inauguration and the first press conference was longer than a whole bunch of other presidents um, up until yeah before having this free for all press conference. It had been it had been too long. I mean, he he'd answer questions like during uh, other. Uh, like one-off questions, you know, as to the press pool as he's walking somewhere. Yeah. But actually having a formal press conference where they can ask whatever, he hadn't done that. Joe Biden, three hundred fifty-five years old. So yes, he's, he's going to take him a while to get up off the out the gate. Yeah. I mean, did no, you, did you see year, that? Though, right? Did you see that press conference though? <laughs> 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 oh man! Yes, I know. Okay. But did you see that press conference? No, I didn't catch it. I heard stuff he said, but I didn't catch them. I mean, who? I mean, who watches press conferences? You gotta be like a real news junkie, and I'm a news junkie. <laughs> I, I think I'm a news junkie, but I'm not gonna watch a whole press conference. I'm sorry. Well, I, I I watch it just because, like, here lately, you know, watching it late night and all these kind of things with the pandemic, you had nothing else, you know, just condensation of of. of Punditry, I guess you would say. Like everybody was becoming pundits. Like even YouTube. Oh yeah, yeah. And I watch it just because, like, I realize that they have people on staff that sit there. That's their job to watch this and then come up with jokes for it. And oh so right. I'm like, yeah. If I'm if I plan on, you know, a little known secret people don't know about me is that I dream of being a late night talk show writer. And <laughs> so if I'm going to be you know, taking that direction, then I gotta practice. So I'm always watching all the conferences and stuff. Yeah, it's it, like game it, film. Yeah, exactly. It led to me wanting to do a whole uh, 
album based off of Donald Trump sound bites. <laughs> so we've been recording a bunch of sound bites and yeah. just having a good time. So I, I got a question for you. I think of my first question. Now. Actually, this is my second question because I wrote one down already. Uh-huh. But I do have a question for you. All right. What is your favorite? Because you gotta have a favorite. Everybody does. What is your favorite Donald Trump soundbite? Oh man, favorite. Uh, there's too many to choose from. I don't know about favorite, but like <laughs> favorite's a weird word. I mean, to I just, use like, it just since yeah, I, I would say like the I one that I hate the most, maybe or like favorite because it really brings out like how much of a horrible person he is. You know, like the greatest example of that. Um, God, there's so much to choose from. Like I want to go with when he called um, Mexicans a bunch of rapists and murderers. Oh. Man. I'd go with that one, but when he's like, uh, maybe inject yourself with some bleach. I don't know. You know? <laughs> That's definitely top 10 right there. Yeah. That's I think I'm going to go with the second 10. one because, you know, he pissed off a lot of people, race, you know, when he talks about Mexicans, yeah. mainly Mexicans. But the whole bleach thing, that's more universal. Yeah, that's that's the fuck everybody. Yeah, I got you on that one. I, uh, my favorite, my favorite Donald Trump soundbite is when he was talking about that uh, the handicapped reporter. That was just oh my god. <laughs> I don't know. Ah, I was like, oh my well, god. true story. Look, I tried to do. I, I I don't know if you remember, but I did a poem some uh, years ago. I guess it was four years ago, um, where I was like, let's let's. Let's thank Donald Trump. And I gave a whole bunch of examples of things. Kind of turned some of the things he said. Because he, he says that there's going to be a, a taco truck on every corner. And we're like, yeah, we want that, you know. Or he said, um, you know, when, when it comes, you know, it was a whole bunch of different things about, like, uh, what did he do? Because he, I, I'm, uh, what are some of them? But he didn't care about the environment, but I kind of flipped it. And I, I don't have all the examples right now. He don't care about the but, environment. Uh, I looked up online the people that he offended. And by that point, the Washington Post had a running list, by the way, at that point. And they had a running list. And at that moment, they had about, let's say, the top 50 tweets where he uh, had somehow offended people. Mm. And, or, or, yeah, people you could say that he was pissed off at. And it was just a huge running toll, total. And it included the one you're saying, right? Yeah. Um, that, that, was, that was pure genius on his part. <laughs> oh, my God. Genius is my, I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah. <laughs> hey, um, evil genius is still a genius, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Lex Luthor's a genius. <laughs> exactly. And he's trying to do all kind of horrible shit. Mm-hmm. No, that's yeah, that guy's just I can't. So can't anymore. So you canceled every, well everybody's canceled Trump. Alright. Like so he can't get on any social media, which okay. You know what I put on my media. Uh-huh. Like it's 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 the same thing I talk about in person, like and yeah. so I, I It's would, a wonder you're not canceled. <laughs> <laughs> And that's that's what I'm saying. That's one of my fears that they just shut this motherfucker down. Mm-hmm. Like he can't get on anything anymore. And I don't I don't feel that that's right. I don't I don't now mind you. There's a you know you, there's something to what you're saying. You know there's you got a you got a point like the free speech aspect of it. Like if we're gonna where do you draw the line? Exactly. Kind of so that leads me to my next question. 
What do you think about them canceling Pepe Le Pew? Man. Well, I know, I know. That's, that's Why are we that, going there already? That, right. I, I, I know. We can straight to the meat right there. Right. We can straight to the meat. I, I'm, uh, I don't know if canceled is... I don't think they, he was canceled so much as he was pulled by the company that put him out there. People had already started to cancel him, sure. But I don't think you can say he was canceled. He was just pulled. Like they're just not gonna have him out there anymore. But it wasn't. Um, it wasn't like like a group of people said, "Oh, we will no longer watch Pippa the Pew." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and as far as like in their idea of doing that, I, I think I'm for it. You know, because um, that dude's creepy. You know? <laughs> He's going after a cat, so it's like interspecies. You know, <laughs> that's that's one part. Secondly. He just doesn't understand no. And we, you know, I'm not going to teach my, my kids that. They just can't say no to her. And if a girl says no to him, to my son, a girl says no, you just keep going and keep saying stuff, that's not good. You can't, I can't keep, you know, I can't let that be his role model. As cute as it might seem, as innocent as it might seem, it, no, it's not. Because, like, you know, there's like a no means no world out there. You can't really be uh, all for. Yeah, Pepe Le Pew was very problematic. Mm-hmm. If you look at it in like that straight vein, now it could be that in their world, in their world, that was just some type of stranger play that you know she was into it, and that <laughs> they were actually you know a stranger. Yeah, they were they were playing. Yeah, there was a role very, play they were doing. Very compliant. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Everything is cool. Okay. I mean, but that's I mean we know that's not what's going. On. No, no. We know I hope not. Going. But I, but I feel you on that. I feel you on that. Because, you know, you, it's like, what kind of role model is you going to leave for your children? But what I don't like about it, like, okay, so my boy Kiki, he was talking about how, um, I, I made a post about Mount Rushmore, how we should be disappointed uh-huh. in our country because of Mount Rushmore. Okay. And him being the First Nations, he was like, well, I, I, I agree with you to an extent, but you can't take it down. You have to leave it up. People have to know what occurred here, and so oh, that's yeah. that's how I feel about like the whole count. Anything you trying to cancel no, these people? Point. Yeah, you trying to cancel these people? Like Charles Manson's parents can't send him back or recall him. Uh-huh. He's out there, and we have to deal with it. Yeah. So just by saying something is done and over with, you're not even. I mean, you can see how we where society has gone today. You know, you're not actually dealing with these problems by saying it's done and over with. I don't know. Uh, Do you remember that um, that one uh, Bugs Bunny episode where at the end of it they do the, he's in blackface and doing the minstrel show? <laughs> yes, yes. Because they haven't shown that like you know in, it got in, cut in years. Like you have to get it off. Of, there's, I've, we had a DVD, uh, not, not not DVD, a VHS, VHS yeah. that had it on there, and even then they were still trying to control it. But yeah, you're not going to see that episode. No. You're not going to. So see would you be okay with like? Showing people that or leaving it now with the cut. Right, like, I don't know if you remember, like, when I first came back from, when I first came back to Slam after I was locked up, one of the things I was always promoting when I got down there, outside of, you know, just me being normal me, was I had a petition to, for people to sign a lot of white folks to say nigger. Uh-huh. Like, I'm cool with whatever the fuck somebody say. Uh, it's when people get to just put your hands on, on you know, other people. Uh-huh. Or when you use what you have to say to negatively influence people and stuff like, you know, manipulate them, you know, because especially those younger people that are easily subjected to these things, 
that's when that's when your your dialogue or what you say matters. Like outside of that, words of wind. You know, mm-hmm. just and a lot of people breath stink, so I don't. You know, we can keep that over there anyway. What you say don't matter. So, I'm I'd be cool with it. Like I don't care. I don't care if anybody wore blackface. It's not me. Not affecting me. Uh, I feel that these types of things bring to bring to the forefront of discussion that needs to be had on a on a daily basis. We don't have we don't have no racial discussions on a daily basis. Nobody does. All right. They talk about it for a little while, and then they go right back into what they're drinking tonight, what they're eating at. Uh, look what I just got on Amazon. Uh, our consumer, our, our natural consumer nature, our natural consumer nature has us distracted from the truth. Okay. So now it just, just gives me a question. Because you work at, um, I, don't, I don't know, I'm going to say a, a, a school. <laughs> right. And it's a Catholic school. Right. Okay. Now, I, and I know you are a very religious man yourself. Okay, yeah. So what... what say more you, spiritual than religious, but okay. Okay, then what, what would be your view on your religion or spirituality? Like, my, my personal view? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I grew up Roman Catholic. Okay. Um, but I didn't really know that. It was more like... Everybody's Catholic, and then uh, I got to high school, and that's when all of a sudden, like, I was awakened to my Catholicism, and I uh, went to college. But you know, I was still kind of struggling. I was awakened to what it was, and I wanted to believe, you know. But I don't, you know, there was a. I can't tell you there was a point, uh, but I know it was somewhere between about twenty and twenty-two when all of a sudden, like, it all clicked for me, and I had a, a belief in. God, but most of it was a lot more spiritual in a in a Catholic spiritual sense. So, who was I reading, or what was I into? I was into like meditation, like Thomas Merton. Yes, is, yes. You know? um, and then there were some other spiritual writers who just kind of like center you. Um, so I like that aspect of it. I'm also into social justice. That's part of my my uh, my interaction with the gospel. Is that the gospel calls us to be just towards humanity to um, to bring up difficult questions I mean it's really easy to tell to say to somebody let's save that baby but with that same breath you should be saying well let's save that guy who's on death row who's done some horrible shit let's save bo- both of their lives are just as equally beautiful and should be both saved mm-hmm. right um so that's where I'm at on that one. I'm like, yeah, both of them are. Let's let's save them all. Um, and the social justice aspect, of course, is just helping people out. I was a missionary doing rural development work in Mexico for about a year after college. You know, um, trying to teach um, teach people to do something more with their life. Uh, to have greater meaning and understanding, I guess. Um, that's what, that was my role in it. But others, the other, the better role that other people had that they were doing is that they were actually helping them like grow better crops and raise better animals um, so that they could have a livelihood. Yeah. You know? So I enjoy that part of it, uh, that, that part of my religion and spirituality. I'm not really big on the institution. Yeah, um, that that doesn't you know. There, I think that there's 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 this guy um, 
James, not so James, sorry. Uh, Avery Dulles was a theologian and uh, he was a cardinal in the church and he wrote uh, about having six models of church. In other words, there are six different ways to be church. Okay. And the institution is just one of those ways. There's five other ways out there, right? And to me, I'm more of a sacramental. Uh, I have a sacramental church. believe in the power of the sacrament. And then also uh, the church as um, a servant of God. In other words, that we are servants for humanity. Yes, you are a servant of God. Like, I don't know if you've seen the stuff I've been talking about here. I've been really pushing more. Because it's coming up on that time where, I don't know, just hit the, hit, hit the streets running, so to say, in a little while. But I've been really leaning into the fact that, you know, we are God. Like, mm-hmm. me, myself, I think that that's, we, we can't divorce ourselves from the infinity. Okay. That's like, you know, my toe telling me how to run my business. You know, my pinky toe is only there to be this pinky toe. It ain't got no acumen in money or finance and none of that shit. Just, oh, just okay. keep me stable, pinky toe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, now, understanding that, that, you know, inside, like, inside the mind of God, like, we can't presume to know the mind of God. We can't. But we can know our own minds. Mm-hmm. We can know our own minds, and in doing that, I feel that that brings us closer to like the godness or whatever than any institution. That's like when you say the institution's only one of them. Like I hate institutions. Fucking hate them. Spent six years in the institution, never going back. Whether it be marriage, church, any of that kind of shit. No more institutions for this guy mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I I'm gonna have to look that guy up and see what else he says because I I have gotten a lot from these Christian authors. Like you said, Thomas Merton. Badass dude, and then there's another. It's a crazy monk that they were. He was real heretical. He was a Jesuit priest. Though. I can't remember. Him. Uh, I, I'm not even gonna worry about that because I got I got a new question for you. Because you said you were a missionary, right? Yeah. So it's not it's not a sex question. It's not about like missionary <laughs> position, nothing like that. But do you have any missionary horror stories? Horror stories. Like so, like something that happened. I, I don't know where, where you just feel like you you couldn't believe. It. Okay, for instance. No, I think I do. I know what you're talking. I, well, I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but I have anything. You know, anything that I was you like, because I, I was you know I did it for maybe I say a year. It was maybe closer to ten months. Okay. Uh, I went down there with a commitment for six months, and then when I was down there, I'm like, no, I think I want to be here longer. I'm gonna uh, give two years, you know. Uh, and then at a certain point, I was like, no, I've got to get out of here. I can't do this anymore, because I, you know, I was young. You want to change the world when you're young. And then all of a sudden, like, you see something that just, like, changes your mind. And the moment that it was for me, or I mean, there's several, but one of them, the big ones, is that we were doing, like, a little, I don't know, a little talk, a little workshop slash talk with some, some farmers. Um, and these were all First Nations people. They, they didn't even speak Spanish. We had to have translators, you know, into Spanish. Yeah. Uh, we're sitting in a... Anywhere else in the world, it'd probably be a barn, but this was their community center. Okay. You know, it was this dirt floor, um, kind of ramshackle little structure. Yeah, real uh, off the beaten trail kind yeah, of Yeah, and, and they were like, you know, they're asking, um, no, what we're presenting is this idea of self-esteem. You know, and that's like the, that, that third, fourth, fifth grade lesson that we probably heard, had in school about what are some traits about yourselves that you really like? 
Okay. What is it about you that you like? You know, that basic self, self-esteem lesson. I'm giving it to these guys who are in their 30s and 40s, who are fathers, uh, who are poor farmers, who have not a lot of stuff. And I ask them, what you like about yourself? And they're silent. And then I ask them, I said, well, maybe you need an example. And I, and I, and I say to them, you know, I'm, I'm not, a, I, I'm very clumsy. But when I see you all out in the field or when we're walking from place to place, uh, the way that you work your machete. You know, if I did that, I'd cut my fingers off. You know, and they kind of laugh. Um, but, you know, they, they did. They, their machete was like their Swiss Army knife. Yeah. They, they would open cans with it. They'd chop stuff in the field. Uh, they might cut meat with it if they had meat. Um, you know, they could do, there was like all these different uses for the machete. And they would always carry it with them, you know. Um, so I told him, I really, uh, I really admire the, your machete work, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And one by one in this group, uh, these men would say, I really like about myself is that I can work a machete. Like there was just like no, um, and then that was like the first, maybe like three or four. They got progressively more and more upsetting because they would say things like, uh, they would start with that and then it'd go into... But what I really like is the fact that you all are here for us to help us out. Uh, and I hope that you give us a cow. Give me a cow. Because I, I, I've gone into the big town um, away from here. You know, there was a, a town, a bigger town, like about an hour drive from them. I've gone into that bigger town and I've seen that the men there that have cows, their kids go to school. And I think my kid could do better if I had a cow. You know, and and the story after story. So the more I'm trying to, you know, here we're trying to uh, uplift them, and I was getting more and more depressed. Yeah. You know, and uh, I saw, I saw a kid. I knew of a kid, um, who died of an ear infection. He was like 10 years old. All he needed was some, some penicillin, uh, amoxicillin, or whatever one of those drugs that that we take for granted over here. Yeah, we uh, get them like candy. Get them like candy. <laughs> These kids, uh, and uh, I think that back, back in that one little village where they were making me depressed, they were running out of water, which means that their kids were drinking minerals because their wells were drying. The, the bottom, they were drinking from the bottom of the well, which is where all the, the sediments are. That's where they were using. Not everybody was boiling their water. Um, those series of events, but really that one talk, the self-esteem talk, kind of got me and said, no, I, I got to leave. I can't do this. So that was a kind of a scary moment. You know? It sounds to me like, and I think this is about a lot of missionaries and people that go out with these, these altruistic goals to help and uh-huh. you know, better life. There's this German word called Wurzschmelz. Okay. Wurzschmelz. I'm sorry. Let me see. Wurzschmelz. Okay. I, I'm horrible, horrible, horrible with it, but it's German. It means... The sadness that comes with realizing how the world is to where you previously perceived it. Oh, yeah, man. That's, it's a, it's I a, totally understand that, yeah. It's like, it happens, it happens, it happens a lot with, with, for me, it mostly happens in relationships. Like, people, the girls, they hook up with me, I'm like, oh, he's so intelligent, <laughs> and he's, he's fitting, he's, he's, he's got this very boisterous attitude, and, but, and then uh, he's going to be this and this, and they don't realize that this is what it is. 
And once you realize that I am what I am and I'm not going to change, it's like, well, can't you just do this and do this? You don't have to do drugs all the time. Are you sad right now? Feels like some rutch smells going around. <laughs> Girl, get moving. And I, that, that's that's probably why I'm single. But I, I'm not talking. Oh, okay. I'm not talking about me. Like because no, I'm, right, I'm, right. I'm done. I'm, I'm single for life. I'm done with done with uh, with institutions. Institutions. Yeah. Period. But I want to talk about you. I want you All to right. tell me about this here book. Okay. Okay. Let me. I'm, I'm going to attempt this title again. All right. Chichada. Chorus. Very good. Yes. Chichara Chorus. Chichara Chorus. So, I mean, tell me about the book. If, if you want to yeah. read something out of it, I might, yeah. You know, feel free, but tell me about this. This is how, how it came about. Um, it has several births, I think. Uh, or maybe it has a conception and then a birth. We'll go with that. Um, <laughs> is that uh, I've been wanting to put out a book for a long time, and I had put together a manuscript, and I was sent it off to different contests. And uh, it got rejected, and then I got then I got frustrated, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna send it to one more person, and I don't care what order it's in, or I don't care what this or that is. I'm just gonna what order the poems are in or whatnot. And I sent it to Flower Song Press, and they were like, yeah, we'll we'll publish you. I'm like, awesome. So then I'm getting a book going, you know. And then then I went through, and um, I didn't add anything to it or give it to me. I didn't necessarily put like a rhyme or reason to it. Um, there was some rhyme or reason. I had an editor, um, Joel Reyes Boitel. She kind of helped me out with some of the wording and also the order of the poems. Okay. You know? And I have a mentor, Carmen Tafoya. She also kind of helped me with some of the order of the poems. And then, then I did the last part, you know. I ended with, I wanted to start with a poem that actually ended at the end. And uh, that last poem was called, I Didn't Write This Poem For You. You probably have heard, right? Yes. Did not write this poem. I wanted that to be first. I wanted to be the first words that you saw in my book were, I didn't write this poem for you. That's you know, that's, <laughs> you, know you, you know me. I'm a huge fan of controversy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I love it. I love it. Shake the shit up, man. When I sent it out for a contest, I sent it to uh, one of these big uh, Latino poetry contests. And I, ha- I put that one first because I wanted that judge to see that first, you know. And maybe that's why I didn't win. But... Um, yeah, you know, I, I put it together. And what people have told me after reading it is that it's kind of like a poetic memoir uh, of my life, you know. Uh, because, you know, I kind of go ups, ups and downs on this. There's some funny, happy stuff, but there's some hard stuff. Stuff that I don't wouldn't read at Slam, yeah. you know, for different reasons. Uh, one is just not hard-hitting enough or uh, it's too personal, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's... Um, it's doing done well for me. I, I've, you know, people have told me that, that it's in libraries around Texas, um, both public libraries and uh, in some high school libraries. Uh, it's hit now. One of those is my high school because I gave them a copy. You know? <laughs> I gave them a copy. Like, you keep this. Put this here. Alma mater. I signed it. Yeah, uh, but uh, there's a there's high school up in Austin that they had me. Uh, they reached out to me to go talk to them, and it's because nice. they had a they had a copy of my book, and I'm like, wow, that's that was kind of cool, you know. Thank you for that, you know. And they read they they had already read the book when I was giving them the talk. They had already, you know, they, they knew what to ask, and that's really a flattering thing to have people ask you. But the chicharra part, you know, uh, chicharras are cicadas, and uh, I'm a South Texan through and through. Yes, yes. And uh, chicharras are part of my life, 
and um, because they're always there. It's kind of like the background of everything that's gone on in my life, the soundtrack. It, it, it's kind of creepy to me, like when I, like my friends, like because we always call them June bugs or cicadas. Okay. Or because you know they come out the ground and they come out the shell. They you know they sure, lay yeah. things back. And then I had some friends, my boy Felipe, like his his mother would say the chichada. Yeah, and it, it sounded kind of creepy to me. Like, and then and then I realized like, you just thousands of them out there all the time. And it's kind of like it's it's kind of a what's it called? I don't want to pee because it's kind of like they they sound like they're yeah. going, Shut up. and it is and it's like they watching you. Oh so, yeah. So I because as soon as you step outside, they stop. That's why <laughs> when, I, when you when, when when I was looking at the cover of the book and you know the name, I thought you had written a horror book. Like I, this is not a horror book. Like a little short horror novel. What the fuck? Like because that's that's what that came across. It. But it's a book of poems. I got it. But yeah, that would be a good horror novel. I mean, oh, just just take it around. That, that freaked me out. I'm not really good with bugs <laughs> and and bugs on me. You know, the other night I felt some 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 um, on my arm. In the middle of the night, like three or four in the morning. And I, I kind of like grabs, grabbed something. I, I, you know, maybe it was like a little, little hair that you feel that you kind of like grab at and then you throw. Yeah. You know. So I kind of did that, did that motion, and then I heard doink. I'm like, oh, that wasn't a hair. <laughs> and what aim do I have that I managed to hit? <laughs> I hit something. You know. I'm like, oh. Did you? you Could sleep after that. Yeah. You didn't even get up and look and see what it was. No, no. <laughs> I'd rather not know what I, that was. Okay. All right. So I don't know. I don't know how we got here, but now I gotta ask you. All right. Do you believe in ghosts? Well. Wow. Oh. I'm gonna say, say I don't not believe in ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think I've had, you know, uh, experiences when I was a lot younger. I was at my parent, grandparents' house in Mexico, and I think I saw my great-grandfather, who I never knew. You know? uh, I was able to describe him to my dad. Man. And I was sleeping in the room that he used to sleep in. Uh, somebody, somebody I think I saw in the middle of the night. Now, it could have been describing... A, I could, it could be that I was describing uh, a photograph that was always in the, the living room. Yeah. Could be. Could be. Look, so I I told you I grew up in this neighborhood, Denver Heights. Mm-hmm. Down the street, you go down this street, eight blocks, up three, bam, I'm right there on Virginia. That's where I grew up. And when I was a child, in that house, my uh, we we stayed in like the living room was converted into a bedroom. And we were, we were, me and my brother were sleeping in there. And my sister slept in the back, in a the, in the room that was in the back. So totally separated. Now, my mother and father were gone at night quite frequently. And this night they were gone because my grandmother was sick. Or great-grandmother maybe. I think uh, she, she was probably, probably in the great range. She wasn't really our grandmother. She just adopted my mother. Now, she was really sick and ended up dying that night. Now, mind you, me and my brother, we don't know what's going on. My brother and I don't know what's going on. Stephanie, I don't. And so I'm in. We're in this room that was converted into uh, our bedroom for her. So before she was in, in this group home where they, my mother went to, she was in this very room that we were in. And I knew she had been gone to like the old folks' home for months. She'd been gone for months. 
And I'm in the bed, unable to sleep like normal. I, I never sleep. I can't never get sleep. It's, I don't know. I'm fucked up. And I'm in the bed, and all of a sudden, through the door, because it's like, there's it's a living room that's, so it's kind of like this wall, this archway right here. There's no door there, but it's a door, you know, with a little blanket on it to separate it from the room. You know how poor people do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know how poor people do. And so here she comes through the little doorway, the little blanket. I'm like, oh, Grandma Gertie, you're not supposed to be here. And she kept coming toward, close to the bed, like, Grandma Gertie, you're not supposed to be here. Oh, I'm going to call mama. And she can walk close to the bed. And I covered my head up, and I was done for the night. My mom comes in in the morning, you know, she's sad and all this kind of stuff. And she tells us, you know, I got some bad news. Grandma Grady passed away. You know, we've been in the funeral. My family been in the funeral business forever. So she was already lacing us up on where the wake's going to be and all that kind of shit. But I'm stunned. Because I know Grandma Grady just came into the room last night. And... That 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 experience has never left me. So for me, when I like, I don't know, I don't know if, I don't know what level ghosts live exist on, or these entities or spirits or beings or whatever. But I really feel like our energies can leave an impression. Oh, okay, yeah. Now, whether that's whether you're a ghost or you know just a memory, whatever it is, that memory that is leaving an impression. Now, my mom, she told me that, you know, I was just thinking about her, like, that she told me that she was going to see Grandma Girl and she was sick. And I was thinking, I was dreaming she was there or something like that. I said, but I know she didn't even tell me where the hell she was going. Mm-hmm. Well, at least that's what I'm saying. I, I can't ask her because she's gone now. Uh-huh. But I, I, I probably could. I'm dreaming about her. Probably on some ayahuasca. <gasps> that's what I'm going to do for my next ayahuasca trip. I'm going to focus on talking to my mom. See what happens. There you go. That's going to be awesome. But I, I, I know I saw a freaking ghost. I know I did, so I don't know. I just I don't I just think that I think I see my 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 uh, you know in my dreams I've seen my grandma, you know, one of my grandmas. So now I say bye to them there. You know that's where I say bye. So do you think that just because it's in the, if, if because it's in a dream does that make it any less real? Ooh, I I don't know. That's a good question. Well, I I did some research done that they show they can prove that. The mind can't differentiate between you kissing someone or remembering kissing someone. Uh-huh. The same neurons are being fired. Right. At that, at that time. So in your brain, it's the same thing. I had, I, you know, I, I, I had an experience and I wrote, I wrote this little poem about it once. About how um, I was out with someone... Um, and we were, we'd been dancing or whatever, and then, um, and then we kissed. And then I realized, like, you know, this is too good. Oh, I know why it's too good. This is a dream. Oh, and then I knew, and then I realized that I was in the dream. And knowing that I was in the dream, I said, well, let's kiss again. <laughs> you know what? It's because because that's might, how you do might it. Might be my only chance. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's how you do it. But you you can manifest something. You can you can you can manifest things in your dreams. Now, how to make those into reality? You know, the the, the Democrats don't want to tell us. They don't want to give us a secret <laughs> to their child baby magic. You know what I'm oh. saying? So it's the Democrats' fault, man. You you are watching that uh, Fox News a lot. <laughs> It's, it's, it's everybody's fault. For me, it's, it's politicians. It's politics' fault. Like, I don't, I don't get how we're supposed to be 
a united people when we have divisions built in. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Democrat, Republican, uh, black, white, rich, poor. Like, there's no, that's not united. That's, mm-hmm. that's separation on so many different levels. Yeah. So, I don't know. We, we'll, we'll get somewhere eventually. We will get somewhere eventually. But I, I do. Oh, shut up, Sansa. Shut up. We're in here talking to the feds right now and the CIA. So, we need just peace and quiet. Anyway. What moment in Slam made you realize, you know what? I like this. Uh, probably the first time I made it past the first round. <laughs> he said that like it was a chore to get that far. It was a chore, man. <laughs> I was I started out like as a New Year's resolution, right in January. Yeah, and failed every time up until spring break, until the middle of March. Uh, and that day, as you know, what I did that day, um, I wrote a poem that day, and I wrote a poem basically about my day. And went over and over and over it and over and over and over it, like, you know, throughout the afternoon. So by the time I got to Slam, I went and I did that poem, and people liked it, and people were, you know, clapping for me, and I got the highest score, and I made it out of the first round, and then I made it out of the second round, and I got third place. Okay. But still, I got to the third round, you know? And that's when, I think that's when the bug really bit, you know? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I think I could do this, you know? Um, so then that was, that was probably the moment was that spring break in the basement at the Crova. And there was a huge crowd of people that were not normally there, but they were there that night because I think there were a lot of them were teachers who were on spring break. Oh, okay. Or other, uh, or, or college students that had come, come home, you know, or whatever. Oh, it was, shit. It was, so a, you, it was so, a good crowd. So you haven't been you you really haven't been in Slam for a, for a while. Yeah. No, man. I, I think I, I guess I, that was maybe 20, 2014, 2015, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. Oh, okay. All right. I remember my my when I first my first time going into Pudo, I knew I liked it or that I was going to be a part of it. However. I didn't go there for like the reasons of being in Pudo. Uh-huh. Donnie D, this is back when Pudo Slam was at Sam's Burger Joint. Okay. Donnie D was still DJing. And I used to do like rap and stuff at parties. So Donnie D would DJ at little house parties and he'd let me know where he's at DJing and I'd show up, be freestyling, is rapping, you know, meeting girls. It's all that's what it's always been about for me, is girls. Mm-hmm. How can I good Get this woman. How can I get that one? That's what it's always been about. Donnie D heard me rapping and was like, hey, bro, you need to come on out to Pudo Slam. I was like, what is that? And he said, man, this is this is open mic. And people sign up and they, you know, they share their poems and you know different art styles. I was like, I don't write poetry, though. And he was like, but what you just did, that, that sounded like, because I was freestyling, though. Yeah. And when I, was, when I was freestyling, I guess I stopped, you know, and was real... Methodic with it and slower than like normal rappers, and so I guess you know I can see how it comes across as a spoken word piece. That's not what it was about. I was just making sure I knew what I was going to say, sounding decent the next line. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I go out there and I see this whole cross section of life. Man, Eddie, if you've oh man, I wish I could show you what it was like at Sam's Burger Joint. 
Because it has never been the same. Oh, any, heard, any, yeah. any slam I've ever been to. When I went there, because they, they did just before just before Pudo Slam started, they had like a rockabilly dance show. And that was like every Tuesday. And so you have these people that's dressed up like rockabillies. This big ass guard, uh, beard, uh, uh, not not beard. Uh, this other, I can't, I don't even know if you know, I can't ever think of his name, but he's he's down there on St. Mary's right now. He manages two two places on St. Mary's right now. Okay. But he was the bartender at Sandler's Burger Joint at the time. Mm-hmm. Big old biker dude, long beard, long hair, leather vest all the time. And then you had these, uh, I guess you would say neo noir type black folks, you know. The, and then you got these college educated kids and. Then you got these hip hop crowds down here, and, and it's it just goth people everywhere. I'm like, oh my God, look at all these people. It's like, it was so different, so new to me. Right. Like, because mind you, I told you that at the time, my only concern was was women's, you know, how I could get women. I didn't, I didn't never reach far outside of my box. I never reached far outside of my box. And this was taking me further than I've ever been. So much so that I get out there and I go and do my little. Pre-written rap that I have, I get booed, car wash, clap off stage, all that shit, and all this like I, I was horrible. I had to go up after fucking vocab, bro. Oh man, I had to go up after fucking vocab. Yeah. Uh 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 At the at the time, I could say yeah, I was a, a girl crazy, misogynistic, liar, manipulative, asshole. With mediocre rapping skills, had to go up after vocab, made a whole audience stand and cry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, the fuck? How do you compete with that? I didn't even realize that Shaggy was calling me up. He's yeah. I, I, I'm thinking, I'm sitting there like, I feel sorry for this dude. Who the fuck? Who the fuck is Evil Jen? Oh, that's me. <laughs> so that's but but even though that was like a bad, like you talking about how you, I I sit back and I wrote a poem. I worked on one poem for a year. Uh-huh. That poem I have eons, okay. I worked on that for a whole year before I went back and did it. I kept going to Slam and listening and hanging out and checking out the people and all that kind of stuff. But it took me a year before I even said, all right, I, I got a poem. <laughs> <laughs> because they made me feel so bad. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't know. I, I wish that we could go back to there. So, okay, okay. So, this got me thinking now. Do you have any... Embarrassing slam moments. Embarrassing slam moments. Oh man, something I'm gonna put up on here. It, 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 it has to be something you're willing to share. It well, is you know what? There was there was a time, and uh, I guess I can share this. Is that uh, I don't know if it was. I don't think it was my birthday. It was for some reason, like uh, I went I went to happy hour that day, and. Um, Pudo Slam, you know, is like around 10 p.m. Yeah, late night shit. Late night yeah. shit. And I went to happy hour, and I just kept going. And so by the time I got to Pudo Slam, I'm up there slurring my words, and <laughs> and I don't, I, I know that I'm not doing well, and I'm like thinking, there's no way I hit second round, and this will be over, and I don't have to do this anymore. I can just like sit here at this table and, and like wait for this to go away. And no, I got called up for the second round. And I'm trying, <laughs> so I can't even remember my own poem. So I decide to take out my phone, and I can't even read um, "Almost Park," which was like my signature poem that I had yeah. memorized to do really well. Yeah, I couldn't even do it off my phone. Fuck it, but <laughs> people thought I was so funny anyway, 
And the words, the words that did come out were good enough that I still got like a pretty high score. And I'm like, no, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was that was that's probably the most embarrassing sort of slam moment. Um, being up there, you know, just totally, just drunk and slamming, sober. Yeah, man, I'm saying, man, I'm sitting here normally. So, so all all the feds out there that normally listen to this show, y'all know I'm normally far more inebriated than this. So I love drunken slam. Like I live my life as a drunken slam, like <laughs> continuously. I guess you would say. I, I I I don't know. Okay, so talk to me about words from elsewhere. I just love that words from elsewhere. Yeah, you know that's a new thing. Um, I, I wanted to have another poem, uh, open mic. You know, there's not enough open mics out there, and uh, I'd heard. That this 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 guy was uh, looking for someone, um, so I reached out and said, "Hey, are you still are you still looking for someone to do open mic poetry?" He's like, "Yeah." We went back and forth uh, with with stuff, and he um, he said he was going to have slam poetry, and I was trying to tell him that you know slam is a competition, slam yeah. is in a uh, it's not open. a style, it's, yeah, you know, um, but it doesn't matter. Uh, to the rest of the people out there, they think that slam poetry is a style, and that's what they're interested in, you know. So the flyer that he made still says slam poetry, and uh, when I'm on the mic, I say slam style poetry. Maybe that that's a little bit more of a compromise. Um, we only had it one time. Um, I'm looking forward to doing it again this week, and then every Wednesday until they say that we can't be there anymore. Right, that's, and it's that's a, all you can ask for. <laughs> it's a garden bar, so it's outdoors. Oh, nice! You know, okay. it's all outdoors. It's right on the Riverwalk. Oh, real nice! Yeah, yeah, they got swings. You know, this place used to be called the Luxury. Uh, I don't know if you remember that place, but now it's called Elsewhere and the ownership whatnot. They got yeah. pretty good food. They got great beer. They got hookah, um, and they got these giant swings that like you can like look over the river. So you could be on the swing. I tried. I was thinking about getting one of those swings once, though. They're kind of low. And I'm a big guy, and I'm afraid of like. <laughs> I'm afraid of not making it out out off the swing eventually. Um, It'll be all right. <laughs> I don't know. I, it looked too precarious the last time. So I'm not trying that. But the open mic, I'm I'm down for that. You know, we had we had a total of four readers, including myself, this first one. Okay. Uh, so if I can get. You know, six readers next time. That's a fifty percent change. Well, you know, that's you know. all you. I mean, anything starts off slow. People are dipping their toes in the water slow. Yeah, right yeah. Well, these people don't care though. These people, these are. I think these are anti-maskers out there. Oh wow! <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, no, they're not all like that. Oh, wow. But uh, yeah, there were. It was. It's all different. I mean, it is outdoors. You know, people want to go out and have a good time. There's lots of people out there wanting to have a good time, and um, and and people that didn't know we were gonna be there. They didn't know they were going to be listening to poetry. Or listening to myself and Mecca Miles and uh, these two other people that were uh, not as known because they're, they they dabble in poetry, you know. Um, and they they were impressed and they clapped and they cheered and they liked it. The ones in our general vicinity, you know. Yeah. Those yeah. are always my favorite folks that the people that just stumble into this. Like, oh, I didn't even know y'all were doing this tonight. They always end up being the people that appreciate the event even more. Yeah. Like, versus, like, the old pros and standards that always come through that 
it's kind of like uh, obligatory, like, okay, I'm here, uh, community service type situation. Whereas, you know, a total virgin to the scene, and not only being a virgin, but totally unaware of what's going on, and they hit, it, it hits different. Yeah. And I, I love to always see those people just like, mm, man, you going to do this next week? All right, man. Be yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's we're gonna do this again. Yeah, let's do it again. I mean, I, I kind of I was I, I looked at it and I was like, man, every week that sounds tiring, you know. But I'm like, no, let's let's try it out. Let's let's do it. That's 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 the discipline though, and it's from what I what I've seen, where a lot of times people fail, when even if they they don't maybe they don't want to do something every week, but you know I mean as poets or artists you don't have to be performing every time you go out uh-huh. but the discipline is to always be out there yeah because if you don't go out there then you don't know what the people are into like i don't know what these dogs are into and to be good and to be giving like good good a good show every time and something new every time and you know that's that's kind of like the the um i guess the struggle is to try to like i think that's my struggle as a poet is I'm afraid that you'll get bored of me if I'm doing the same stuff over over and over again. Yeah. Uh, but then I, you know, then you think about like musicians. They're doing the same songs like every night all the time, and nobody gets bored of that. Or they're like, oh, they request a certain thing or whatnot. Um, and so maybe I have to think about it like that, and not have this pressure on myself to always have something new. It's it, you gotta remember. I this I don't I don't like competitions. The main reason why I don't like a competition is because we're only in competition with ourselves. <laughs> That's it. So once you realize that, then it takes a lot of pressure off because now you only trying you only trying to live up to your standards and then better from each previous standard set. So you know each if you push it just to be the better you each day, then you're not worried about okay I need to impress this person. Oh, why didn't they like this song? Or why didn't they like this poem? Or this painting was big in Dallas, but they didn't do nothing at this show. Like, I, it's 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 a level of neuroticism that I think causes you know the suicide. What is that? The Twenty Seven Club. Oh um, yeah. The, those musicians that killed themselves or died at an early age, and I think that that kind of when you try to appease the world, it's never going to happen. That's a, that's a, it, it, it is. It can it can weigh just too heavy on your brain and cause this, all kind of dysfunction. So you know, don't 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 go. I, I've always tell my kids like, whatever you're doing, do it for yourself, mm-hmm. and then whatever accolades and stuff you got there, you know, just be be grateful of them. You know, I, I have a hard time. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why. I have a hard time accepting compliments because I always think that everything I do is like shit. Don't, and the stuff that I that I really feel like I'm excellent at, don't can't nobody talk about it. They don't care about it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's my favorite oh, shit. I think that's like, a, yeah. You're not alone on that. I don't. I don't. I finally learned to just say thank you. Yeah. Because I didn't know what to say afterwards when somebody was like, "Oh, I really like that," or uh, "That was a great," or "You're an awesome artist," or you know whatever. And I'm just like. No, no, there's better people out there. Yeah. And, and, or I could say something, well, I'm, you know, I could say something. I, I found myself saying a bunch of stupid things. So I finally just started saying, thank you. That's great. That, that's, see, I'm working on that. <laughs> but my tactic is like, just once I get done off, when I, once I get done with the stage, woof, I'm gone. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go outside, I'm going to go back to the back or somewhere. 
and let the people that I fuck with, you know, come around me. Like all these, all the new folks, you know, y'all stay over there and all that kind of shit. But I'm gone. Like, I gotta go smoke because I don't know. Having people, people are scary, bro. They are. People are fucking scary. And if anything, this pandemic has taught me, uh, in in coming out of this pandemic, is that it's only going to get scarier. It's only going to get scary. Oh, okay. So, question. All right. What was your favorite thing about being locked down in 2020? You know, there were there were. Uh, I think the favorite my favorite thing was about was being alone. Is <laughs> uh, boy, people underestimate the value of alone time, don't yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's also the worst part too. Yeah, the, it's the best part and the worst. We part. are social creatures, you know. Is my kids were with their mom. I missed them. Uh, I, I I said this funny thing that was it's like funny but not funny. Uh, is I said you know put on Facebook that um, you know my son's with his mom for the pandemic, but uh, I close the door to his room so I feel like he's there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, because he's always that's in his room anyway. You know that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> you know, um, but. The, the the cool part about it, I guess just the centering myself um, the I'll, I'll take a nap when I want to um, I'll eat when I want to I'll eat what I want to yeah um, I'll read what I want to want you know what I want to read and watch what I want to watch um, and there was a lot of calming like you know like this music you got in the background a lot of that kind of uh, a moment you know. Um, I think, which I think helped me artistically to, to, to center myself. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You have to, you have to become familiar with yourself. You know, you know, so I applied for a residency in Maine. I don't know if I'll get it or not. It's kind of exclusive. Uh, it's on an island off the coast of Maine for 10 days where they've got like limited cell service. There's Wi-Fi in one house at the island. The rest of it, you you have a cabin that I don't know that has running water, but you're in a cabin out there um, with other artists who each have their own cabin, and you just gotta create, you know. And I'm like, and so I'm leaving a pandemic, yeah, leaving a quarantine where we were forced to be by ourselves and shut off. The world is opening up, and I'm wanting to go close myself off again. Hey, man. <laughs> I get it. Trust me, I get it. My favorite time in life, still to this day, and I, this is something I, I don't think I've talked about this much with people before, but still to this day, my favorite time in life was in 2011, after the first riot I was ever in in the penitentiary. After that riot, I was in lockdown or administrative segregation for two weeks. Nothing beat that time mm. nothing beat that time so peaceful I was just there in the room I had my books my paper and I'd wake up write I'd read go to sleep work out read write work out and it just it, it was just there's been no better time in life so I trust me I get it about isolation and a, a lot of times people don't respect like I, I, I said appreciate earlier a long time but also they don't respect a long time and I feel that goes a lot in saying they don't respect themselves. Mm-hmm. So, last question. Last question for you, Eddie Vega. 
which right. is what's next for Eddie Vega? Ooh, what's next, man? What's next for Eddie Vega? Um, I really think that there's a value in language and specifically in the way that we talk here in South Texas among the Mexican-American community, mm-hmm. how we sprinkle Spanish with our English and English with our Spanish, and sometimes even in the same word. Uh, maybe you call it Spanglish, I call it Tejano. And I put a call out like a month ago uh, to, I put it in different places to collect poems that are written like that um, in Spanish, Spanglish, Tejano, Mocho, Pocho, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and especially people in regions like between San Antonio, the Valley, Laredo, and Corpus. That's my. That's the region I'm looking at. Everything in between, and I want to write. I want to create an anthology, you know, of collecting works from these poets um, who are writing like that. So that's my next, my next little project that I'm working on. Of course, I'll put one or two of mine in there, but I want to hear these other voices. Um, but yeah, that's 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 where I'm going next. And we'll see. I mean, I also I edited a book last week, last year, in the during lockdown. With Ed Mabry, it was, and it was the, um, I was the, I guess, copy editor okay. for this book by, um, man, my, well, I don't know why, but the name is uh, uh, escaping me uh, at the moment. Um, so I'm going to get back to you on that. But I, I helped to edit this book um, for, for him, and, and that, was, that was fun, and I might be editing somebody else's work and helping them, helping somebody else put a book together. Okay. You know, so I think that's important. Is people need need help so, putting stuff together. Eddie Vega, publisher, editor, maybe publisher. You know. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So, all right. This is not a question. Mm-hmm. Quick, quick. Last words. Oh man, let's all have fun out there when 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 things get open up again. Let's have good, reasonable fun. <laughs>